Welcome to Get A Move On, the podcast for movement lovers who are fed up with their injuries and want to enhance their all-round health. On this podcast, I'll help you change how you think about pain and illness so you can drop the frustration and move freely. I'm Amy, an osteopath turned yoga teacher and mindset coach. On this pod, I'll be talking about the joys of pain, injury and illness, the mind-body connection and how they relate to our movement practice so you can get a move on. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Get A Move On with Amy Slevin. I'm Jamie and as always I'm helping to co-host the podcast. Today we're talking about a topic we're all very, very, very bad at, which is resting. Now the reason why rest is an interesting topic for a podcast is because it applies both to our jobs, especially amongst the self-employed and hard-working, but also our physical health. And for anyone who has a movement practice, rest is quite a complicated issue. But before any of that, Amy, how are you? Hey, Jamie, I'm okay. I'm actually ironically taking some time to rest from parkour whilst I nurse a little bit of a Achilles tendon irritation. We'll put it that way. Nothing major, but just like time needed away from jumping. So resting from that. Yeah. Why is it that people find rest a complicated or emotionally difficult thing to do in the context of physical movement? I think partially is that we're loving what we do. We love the activity, you know, we're enthusiastic to kind of do a lot of it. Sometimes there is a guilt issue, I think. Sometimes we think, oh my God, if I don't do this activity, I'm going to get fat. And we don't want to get fat. We don't want to lose fitness. I think there's a perception that we're going to lose the ability to do something, the ability to maintain fitness and that things will kind of go backwards if we take too much time away. And that's kind of scary and stressful. So I think that has something to do with it. And I think in certain modalities, there is this idea that this is like a daily practice, like for yoga, for example, you just rock up every day, no matter how tired or awake or however you're feeling, and you just do it because that's what you've dedicated yourself to. So that I think is part of it. And so there's a kind of like subordination to the system. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. You need to look at the role of dogma and how dogmatic one is about their practice. Because when I was meditating quite seriously, I found it incredibly difficult to take a day off. And even sitting only an hour would feel like some kind of a concession. And that was because I didn't have the healthiest relationship with the practice. I was doing it because I needed to, to mitigate against some terrible outcome. And I'd imagine the more necessary the practice is for you to maintain your self-worth or whatever else, the more difficult rest is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Also, if you're doing like a skill-based activity or even a fitness-based activity, there is a real sense like I'm going to lose my skills, I'm going to lose my fitness. And then coming back from that is going to be extra hard, which is quite stressful also. But of course, the irony is that we need the rest in order to develop the skills, in order to have time for the brain and the body, the neurological pathways to get solidified or created. And we need the downtime in order to maximize the fitness. Yeah. And if you're interested in doing the thing sustainably so you can do it as much as you can, you would do very well to take a rest as opposed to not take a rest. Because eventually your body just says, no, 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 we are taking a rest, whether you like it or not. 
exactly there are lots of things proverbs or whatever that say like you know if you don't allow yourself to rest then your body is going to take a rest for you and that comes sometimes in the form of illness like if you get a cold and the irony of having a cold right is that your body is like okay now it's definitely time to rest like i've given you ample opportunity to take this for yourself and you haven't and so now I'm forcing you to by giving you a cold and you're going to have to stay in bed but then the irony of that is that like the whole kind of work culture means that as soon as you're a hint better and you're able to walk around and make yourself a cup of tea without wanting to go back into bed two seconds later is that we're kind of expected to be functioning again and there's no post cold or post kind of sickness rest time And so it can become like a cycle of like, oh, I need to rest, but I'm not going to allow myself to rest. And then you get the illness and then you need time to rest after that. But then you don't give it to yourself because society kind of doesn't really give you permission to do so or you don't give yourself permission to do so, which is different from how things were. Say, for example, it was very fashionable in like, I think the 1930s. I can't remember exactly when for people to convalesce after an illness or after an episode of something kind of stressful or difficult and it would be like totally legit like oh I'm just convalescing for a while it was like very acceptable but it's not these days because we're in a state of like high productivity all the time we must be productive all the time we must be kind of seen to be busy because you know that's trendy and fashionable but again it's not as helpful for us and our health to be constantly busy to be constantly productive And then we had this kind of cycle of productivity and then guilt and then trying to be productive. And because we're tired, because we're not allowing ourselves to rest, then we're less productive. And then it becomes more stressful. It just is this kind of never ending cycle until we kind of stop and say like, fuck it, I'm going to rest. Yeah. And there's a few interesting bits and pieces in there. Have you read Sapiens? I'm not, you know, I really want to, but tell me, summarize it for us. Well, there's just a bit in Sapiens where it describes how pre-agriculture, so this is now humans several thousand years ago, there was a very natural rhythm to our lives. So our waking up and going to sleep and our quote-unquote working, be that in like cooking or hunting, etc., had this rhythm where we were like six hours on, 18 hours off. And that tended to be true throughout the year. Six hours on, 18 hours off? Yeah, that was generally how it worked. So you would have... periods of hunting and periods of food preparation and infrastructure building but generally speaking life was six hours on 18 hours off and the idea that we could get ill and then the smallest sign of upward trajectory somehow be taken as an answer to go straight back and it's 100 miles an hour speaks i think to the fetishization of busyness and work culture which is probably inevitable when you consider that like what you do is now to a greater degree than ever who you are Well, it's no surprise that you're happy to commit and overexert if the action is actually supporting your sense of well-being and self-worth. Yeah, totally. And also livelihood. So there's the very basic fundamental thing of like, I have to just pay the bills. Therefore, I cannot allow myself time to convalesce. I can't allow myself an extra day off work because, you know, if you're a shift worker and you have time away from your shift, like you don't get paid for that. Or as you say, if you are self-employed or if you're kind of ambitious in some way, it's going to be mega stressful to do that. However, it is very important. It is vitally important. In the context of working too hard and self-employment, etc., let's chat a little bit about taking a rest from your job. So, you know, if you work a nine to six, which I think is the new nine to five, the nine to six, once you're off the clock, in most jobs you're off the clock. 
Now, because that doesn't exist clearly in the freelance world, and there's always a subtle sense of the more I put in, the more I'll get out. It's important that I put in so I get out. It's very difficult to step away. Yeah, it's really difficult to step away. And I'm guilty of that. And even yesterday, for example, I had taught two classes in the morning or two kind of private sessions in the morning. And I was like a bit tired. I I think I went to bed too late the night before. And it was like midday. (laughs) It was like sunny in my garden. And I kind of looked into the garden and I was like, I could just go and lie down in the garden for like half an hour, close my eyes and just have a bit of a rest. And I was like, no, 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 but I mustn't. And then I had this like battle with myself of no, 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 you can, because the next session is not until whenever later. So you could potentially steal this moment. And then I farted around with myself, like, am I going to, am I not going to? I'm like, yes, I am going to. And so went out to the garden, laid down on my beanbag and closed my eyes for a minute. And then the sun went in. (laughs) I was like, and I knew that that was going to happen. I was like, I know that they have like this finite piece of time where it's going to be sunny and I can sort of generate some vitamin D here. And I kind of like just fucked around for too long and then beat myself up for not resting properly and also then not being as productive as I could have been. What do you think the role is of being specific about why it's difficult for someone to rest? Because I'm just thinking out loud here, but like, if I think about my friends who find it hard to rest, they find it hard to rest for many different reasons. And I guess the problem with a one fix all is if it's actually not so much about productivity, but it's about the guilt of an action or something subtly different, you're going to end up not being able to address it very well unless you know what's going on. So how does one know what's going on? When you say what's going on, what do you mean? I mean, the thing that's making it difficult to rest. Is it like, Um, I feel anxious, there's an underlying anxiety that comes to the fore as soon as I'm off purpose, or I feel guilty about not being productive. It just seems like there's an infinite range of options diagnostically. I think from what I've heard from lots of people, there is a guilt, a huge guilt at not being productive and a sense of like, I'm not fulfilling my potential. I'm not fulfilling what is possible for me. And that is very stressful. It's weird. Like we kind of know that life is short, yet we kind of think that we have lots of time. And so we kind of spend a lot of time farting around, but then we have this other sense of anxiety and stress of like, oh my God, but I have to, you know, have to do this now. It's the wrong way around too, right? Like the thing to be is to be micro impatient and macro patient. So know that like, okay, nothing good's going to happen for five years, but like do all the tasks quite earnestly and quickly. But we all do the opposite, right? We go, oh my God, this is taking forever to put together this Canva nonsense. Why am I not X yet? And I was just going to say, The whole problem with rest, at least in as far as I'm concerned, is it's very easy to drown out everything going on with busyness. You can get stuck in the checklists and there's the satisfaction and the dopamine of, oh, I've done this thing, tick. Oh, I've done that thing, tick. And you can go to bed having starved off the demons for a night. You know, that's an over-exaggerated picture. (laughs) But that's kind of the character. And the problem with resting is it doesn't allow you to be so escapist. You sort of have to face up to whatever's going on if you're the type of person who can avoid that type of thinking through sort of busy work. Yeah, or even socialising. There are people who avoid facing certain things in themselves by 
never being alone, mm. which is a slightly different topic, but it's like, you know, there's resting from socializing too, right? And I can think of a few people who kind of don't want to be alone because of the thoughts that come into their heads. And that's kind of normal. But like, the irony is that those people are probably the ones who could benefit the most from facing their demons and from sitting quietly by themselves and having some social rest time or anti-social rest time. Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind here is that, you know, when you take a rest, you come back refreshed in a way that gives you new eyes and a little bit more of an innovative edge or something. Totally. And that's why people say a change is as good as a rest, mm. because it breaks the habitual patterns of thinking about something in a certain way. It allows you to come back and make new connections, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the irony. In the same way, if you don't rest, you're going to get injured and you won't be able to do the activity. Similarly, you don't rest because you want to spend as much time doing the activity as you can to get as good as it as you can and make the most progress. But of course, the irony is that you do that better by occasionally refreshing. Exactly. When you rest, you allow your body time to repair and restore and rejuvenate and, you know, do all the little kind of cell repairs and recalibrate and literally set neural pathways. So for example, if you're doing like lots of handstand practice and then we take time away from the handstand practice and it could be like a few weeks or a couple of months and then you come back and you haven't done a handstand for that long and then like, whoa, the handstand is really good. And that I think is partly because your neurological connections have had time to assimilate in that time away, which yes, that can happen whilst you're also training, but there is a time that's necessary away from the training in order to allow that to happen. Yeah. And I guess the other point to make here is like anything you do, you want to be sustainable and it's not sustainable if you're fucking resenting it the whole time. And if you're not taking breaks, you're going to end up fucking resenting it. Precisely. And this girl I was talking to yesterday, she was exactly there. And she was like, I've just had to take a few weeks off work because I'm just so fed up. She perceives that she's not giving herself enough rest. And so when you're not giving yourself enough rest in the course of a single day, then yeah, you are going to get exhausted. But I think it's also normal just to say, I think it is normal to be tired at the end of the day. And I think certain schools of thought, should we say, have this perception of this idea that like, when you're doing what you love, you're not going to get tired. And you're gonna be so energized by it. And that's true. But it is normal because we have body rhythms, we have waves of energy that go up and down throughout the day. And if you can honor the less energy, during the day and just take that as a moment to just like close your eyes for five minutes like sit down or lie down for five minutes that can be so perking up a fine yeah and it's also worth saying like you can do something you like but there's lots in there that you don't like yeah there's a hierarchy in your mind of the stuff that you enjoy and you don't enjoy so speaking from experience here i quite enjoy preparing for podcasts i quite enjoy recording podcasts i find the distribution of podcasts i find the social media side of it i find guest distribution less of a priority. And there's no doubt when I do days that are just long lists and short lists of guests, understanding guests so I can frame the podcast in terms they'll appreciate, blah, blah, blah. I get tired three times as quick. And that's not a condemnation of the whole gig. It's just a recognition of the fact that there's really a hierarchy here. Totes. And you're going to be more energized and find more energy for the things that you're just more into. I just remembered something that I <laughs> once did. So when I was at university, I used to work in promotions at Heathrow Airport and I used to hate it. And I had to do this like, I think, I think it's a six hour shift. Sometimes the shift would start at 7am. And so I'd have to wake up at five in the morning and go to Heathrow Airport 
for 7am. Sometimes I would get the afternoon shift, but it was rare. And I would get really, first of all, bored, but like tired. Literally my job was to hand people a basket when they arrived into the duty free in order for them to, you know, fill the basket with stuff. That was my job. I was then promoted to summer perfumes or summer fragrance. And then I would have to like spray people with the summer fragrance when they entered the duty free. And people just hated that. They were like, get the hell away from me. And I kind of hate it too, but it was like, it was so well paid at the time. I remember it being like 10 pounds an hour. Yeah. I remember you telling me it was 10 pounds an hour. And this was when? This was 2003, I think. 2003. I made eight pounds an hour in 2018. Wow. As a waiter. So it's unbelievably well-paid work. Yeah. Yeah. But it's well-paid to be spraying perfume on people who don't quite want perfume on them. (laughs) And I'm handing them a random basket and they're like, that's your job. Anyway, (laughs) obviously I was doing a boring job and there were moments where I just wanted to like steal a bit of a rest. And so I would just like deviate off to the bathroom. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to the loo. And I would put the lid down and just lean back and close my eyes for like 10 minutes and just have like a really constipated (laughs) rest time. And that would like legitimize my ability to rest (laughs) while I was working, which is so cheeky, but that's what I did. No, I have to say I can relate. When I was doing flyering, so a similar type of gig actually, I used to do 7 a.m. to 10, 11 to 2, 3 to 6. So you would do three shifts of three hours, but it would really be a 10 or 11 hour day. I got quite good at sleeping standing up. What? <laughs> yeah, so you wouldn't go sleeping the whole way, obviously. You'd be like having a sort of nap while like sort of just like handing out flyers. <laughs> and every now and again, you would send someone onto the chat and sort of wake up. That's so funny. <laughs> Equally, sadly, I went into railing after my GCSEs and I'm not a massive clubber. I was probably more of a clubber back then, but not really. And we were in this club in Prague, this famous five floor club. I fell asleep standing up. I was like, oh, I'll catch a minute here. Like, I mean, that as a life skill is so impressive. How do you not just collapse in a heap? It's funny. Usually when you're asleep, like you're totally relaxed in your body. So you would just fall over. Yeah. What are the mechanics? You rest up one half of your body, kind of lean on the other and just use your shoulder as a pillow. Oh, all right. That's interesting. I guess like dolphins, they shut down half of their brain when they're asleep, but they still keep going. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. You're not actually asleep, really, but you do start dreaming, right? So it does become like you are in that space where you're a little bit like in the transition. Oh, so that's like the state, the brain waves, which I can't remember, but we're going to have a guest on, hopefully, who can tell us more about this, where it is like your brain waves are kind of changing Yeah, and you kind of go into that nice state, which is also like a meditative state. Yeah, I'm becoming like increasingly aware for what it's worth. I mean, of the transitions between like being awake and being asleep. When your thoughts start to get really psychedelic and weird. I never used to notice them, but I've been really recently like, oh, okay, this is falling asleep for them. (laughs) This is what falling asleep feels like. Hmm. It's a new sensation, even though I've been doing it every day for the whole my life. (laughs) (laughs) But I was going to say another thing about resting. Okay, so what we were able to do when we were doing those promotional jobs, like the flyering and the Heathrow Airport jobs, I think because we cared a lot less about those jobs, it was much easier to rest. I felt fuck all guilt for going to the loo and just closing my eyes there for 10, 15 minutes. You know, sometimes I really took the piss and I didn't care. I was like... My job is kind of pointless. I'm lucky that I'm being paid to do this anyway, but no one's going to miss me 
if I'm not doing it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to take this rest. And same for you when you were, you know, standing up sleeping, you're like, it's totally legit for me to take this rest. And I think people who potentially work a nine to five job or a nine to six, whatever it is now, because of the allocated time, like you're expected to be on between these hours, after that, there's nothing demanded of you. So your own thought process, your own mindset gives you permission to rest. Whereas I think if you're self-employed, you don't necessarily have that. Well, yeah. Also, it just shows why you have such a competitive advantage in doing something you give a shit about. Because if you really care, you're not going to be wanting to slope off for rests. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to condemn rest. I mean, that's sort of the purpose of the episode. Yeah. But it is worth saying you are tired more quickly when you are bored. I mean, we think of energy typically as a thing we wake up with a finite amount of and we distribute amongst the tasks of the day. But of course, it works the exact opposite way. And the amount of energy you have or don't have is contingent on the nature of the tasks and the degree to which those tasks align with your, what we're going to call values. So it's a really interesting point. Is there anything you want to say before you wrap up? Give yourself permission to rest. And remember that when you do give yourself permission to rest, it kind of makes everything feel more joyful because you're then approaching it again after the rest with more energy, with more enthusiasm, and potentially a little kind of sense of anxiety of like, oh, am I going to be good enough at this now? But still, like, it's a refreshing thing and it's vital for healthy functioning of the brain and the body. So we need to all give ourselves the opportunity to rest. Five minutes sitting down with the eyes closed and doing nothing. You heard it here first. Go have a rest. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Get to Move On with Amy Slavin. And thank you for listening. And as always, we'll see you next week. That was Get to Move On with Amy Slavin. If you enjoyed that, we'll be back next week with a slightly different topic. And if you didn't enjoy that, We'll be back next week with a slightly different topic. Thanks for listening.